a Radio 191 FM podcast. Mr. Speaker. All right, it is time for politics on a Monday now. And um, just quickly, well, I'm joined by John Moore and Vivian Griffiths, uh, Griffith, uh, Griffin. Oops. Yeah, um, from the Young Nats. Did you did you recognise that, that bit where Stephen Joyce was speaking just then? Yeah. Did you recognise that part? I did. It's um, quite entertaining. I, that's, I've never heard that intro before. It's um, it's truly something different. Yeah. Well, I, I want to start playing it on my show. I need to find the, the clip. Uh, well, you can't. It's, uh, it's mine. It's all mine and made for me. Uh, okay, so you did you did you recognise the sound of the dildo hit in the face? Yeah. The, oh, at the yeah, end. Yeah. yeah sort of, okay. I was trying to figure out. Well, what's this? Is this some sort of jokey statement? Because I recognised the zip it, sweetie, and then all yeah. of a sudden there was the the oh at the end. And yeah. It was an abrupt end to the uh, the clip. But, uh, Old Josie, eh? My old mate, my old, my old friend Josie. I hope she's listening. She never does. Uh, it's fair enough. It's in Christchurch. Why would you? Uh, anyway, it's time to talk about politics. Um, and it's good that you've joined us here this morning, uh, Vivian. I'm, I'm happy to have you here. Uh, and this morning we're talking about free speech, hate speech, and censorship. Uh, of course, after the Christchurch white nationalist terror attack, um, it's thrown up some questions about what is and what isn't hate speech. Uh, there are calls to, to censor extremist ideas. Um, but with things being subjective, uh, what, you know, will bans go far enough? Will they go too far? Who makes the call? What is hate and what isn't hate? Uh, let's look at the government's role uh, in regulating hate speech. Um, does the government have the right to ban extremist ideas um, on all sides, the right and the left, John? Um, certainly, if, if, if uh, speech can be linked with an incitement to violence, uh, whether that's based on uh, uh, violence towards a certain religious group, racial group, etc., then certainly the government can regulate and ban. The chief censor has uh, quite wide powers, especially because the legislate was legislation actually uh, brought under um, the Jim Bolger government, um, which which widened the powers of the chief censor. So anything that sort of can be deemed as offensive in an extreme way can be banned by the chief censor, and that's quite a vague. Uh, term, right. um, and, and that's where the problems suddenly come in when you when you say, okay, I, I don't like uh, neo Nazis, I don't like white nationalists, uh, I don't like the National Front strutting around in New Zealand with their black uniforms and being intimidating to ethnic minorities and Muslims, etc. I want these people controlled, or I want them banned, or I w at least I want their speech banned. The type of laws that are put in place that allows the state to regulate and ban such extreme groups can then be applied to a whole range of groups across the board. Mm. And we've seen that with our um, security services in New Zealand, that um, uh, powers they have to monitor and intervene into so-called extreme groups have been used against, say, Nicky Hager mm. and his, um, uh, say, his investigations into the actions of the SAS alleged uh, um, murders carried out by the SAS in Afghanistan, so uh, security services were right onto him, as well as the police. Uh, Kim Dopcom, um, who uh, um, the Americans decided was persona non grata and was uh, nicking a whole lot of intellectual property rights from American companies, so therefore the police should storm him armed. 
uh, to the teeth uh, and, and monitor him, whereas he doesn't seem to be doing anything unusual. Google and YouTube, etc., do exactly the same thing and allowing <laughs> widespread material on their sites. And yeah, so if we, just to be clear, if you if you argue for free speech for uh, extremist groups, you, that doesn't necessarily mean, and usually doesn't mean, that you are aligning in any way with those groups, or you're mm. saying that those groups shouldn't be challenged or protested against, etc. And that you're not saying that people don't have a right to defend themselves if these groups are violent towards them, but it's just saying the ramifications of cracking down on free speech can be very sinister. And this is an argument on that's been presented both on the right, like with libertarians, liberals, even conservatives now ask, arguing for free speech, and traditionally on the left, uh, from liberals like John Stuart Mill, right through to Karl Marx, uh, who uh, was an editor of a German newspaper and argued against the Prussian state's uh, widespread censorship laws. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, we were just talking about some on, on the left and their views on TERFs before. I mean, sorry, uh, sorry, TERFs. We were talking about yes. TERFs, uh, you know, and, and, and it's the same thing. And, uh, I mean... Um, it's tough, isn't it, Vivian? Like, we're, yeah. you know, it is really subjective, and some views could be very minor, but some people take great offence to that, and, and therefore um, they can call these things out as hate speech. So, where do you go? Where do you begin? And, I mean, can you even implement these kinds of things? Um, I think there's, there's a way where you can implement some sort of laws. Um, but I think the key thing, I think John had the nail on the head there um, by saying if it incites violence against a certain group that's where we should draw the line. Mm-hmm. Anything less than that, I think, you know, it can be sort of far-right views or extreme views or far-left sort of sort of crazy views that, you know, everyone can take an offence to. But we should also have the right to call them out and yeah. respond to them. And mm-hmm. I think that's sort of the key behind freedom of speech. But, I mean, if it incites violence, haven't we left it too late? Haven't um, we, have, you know, because the violent act has already occurred. You know, shouldn't you know when it comes to some hate speech, if it does lead to violence in the end, um, therefore we've missed the mark. We've 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 stopped it too late. The violence has occurred, just like what has happened in Christchurch. Um, I wouldn't say it's sort of you've left it too late. I, I guess it's sort of re- like you know hindsight's twenty twenty when it comes to sort of a situation like that. We can go look. That was the area we needed to focus on. Perhaps we weren't focusing on the right sort of people. I sort of jumped ahead there a wee bit, um, but. I think um, when it comes to groups, you can't really censor what someone wants to say. People can take extreme violence, say, for example, Ban 1080, which is a movement mm. where you see people chucking sawdust in the you know, petrol tanks of helicopters all the time, causing horrific crashes and um, you know, helicopters can't start. And that's one extreme group. And you know, mm-hmm. do you ban people saying you should, you should ban 1080? You go, well, no, well, you know, we like to have that open discussion. Um, and as soon as you start banning open discussion, I think that's when you start going down a sort of a dark spiral, um, which I think John very well alluded mm. to earlier. He, yeah. And, and, and how do you define incitement to violence? Um, uh, I mean, there's the old classic argument if I go to a movie theatre and shout fire when there is no fire and that causes a stampede, then clearly that's an example of speech that should be limited or banned or I should be mm. prosecuted for that. If I uh, rally a group of, um, I don't know, neo-Nazis who say, hey, let's go down to the mosque, or you guys go down to the mosque and beat up some Muslims and then I go back home, I think there's a, a gr- very strong grounds, obviously, to say that I'm inciting violence. How it becomes a lot more vague. If you just have a general law, say you cannot incite 
violence and you leave that very loose then uh, you you could uh, let's say um, when Winston Peters in the past has uh, said that all Muslims in New Zealand are extremists uh, they put on a moderate face but behind closed doors behind mosque doors mm. uh, that's where you have general radicalism is that an incitement violence against Muslims? No, but it, it is othering a group and, and, and declaring that entire group of people uh, um, beyond the pale, uh, and it could lead to people inciting violence. When uh, Phil Twyford and Andrew Little before Labour gone to power started rallying against uh, people with Chinese-sounding names, saying that Chinese were responsible uh, for our housing crisis, is that an incitement to violence? No, uh, but, uh, you know, if, if people actually believe what they were saying, saying it's those Chinese that are making houses unaffordable for New Zealanders, you might have some incidences where on a schoolyard uh, a Pākehā kid or a Māori kid uh, pushes a Chinese kid and says, hey, you're making it unaffordable for us in our country. So should we ban Labour? Should we ban New Zealand First? Should we uh, ban texts like the Bible and the Quran that are both um, uh, religiously chauvinistic, saying that people of other religions are going to go to hell uh, yeah where, where's the limit mm, mm. well you, I, can, I can guarantee you 100% both those comments from the Labour Party and from the and from New Zealand First Leader have led to um, uh, verbal abuse Absolutely. I can, I can guarantee Absolutely. it 100% so should yeah. Phil Twyford Andrew Little and Winston Peters be locked up should they Labour and New Zealand First be shut down as parties of course not of course no. not the best way to, to deal with uh, such um what I'd say is obnoxious speech uh, is more free speech, challenging these people and, and, and protesting against these people. And and so, if you if you do have hate speech, the way to challenge it, in my view, is with more free speech. Um, what about the chief censor's right to ban the terror terrorist manifesto? What are your thoughts on that, Vivian? Um, well, if it contains what he says it contains, um, then by all means it should be banned. I think. But the issue was that. I guess no one really got to look at it before it got banned, so we can't really comment. It's sort of a, a hard situation. You're trusting the chief censor. Some of us looked at it. <laughs> no names mentioned. Um, and, yeah, if it contains what he says it contains, if it is sort of like direct incitement of violence and essentially spreading a whole lot of incorrect facts, sort of a whole lot of nonsense, saying things like this is factually correct when it's clearly just a lie, then by all means it should be banned because it is just inciting violence with fake news or fake facts mm -hmm, mm -hmm. should try and not use fake news as a word but yeah <laughs> it's got bad connotations see I would argue that not so much in terms of this terrorist right to to free speech he's committed a horrific crime and I think his his right should be limited um, uh, not not completely um, uh, cracked down on, he still has a right to present his case in court but he's obviously a very obnoxious person with disgusting ideas what concerns me is that all of us here in the general public no longer have a right to read this text, and if we read this text, we can go to prison. Uh, yeah. If an academic uh, wants to study this text to try and see what were the links with this guy with other far-right and extreme-right groups internationally, they could go to prison. If a newspaper wants to quote from this manifesto to again have a discussion what exactly is white nationalism and white supremacism, they could go to prison. Um, I think the vast 99.9% .9 of people uh, in New Zealand um, uh, will read this text and it won't affect them at all in terms of uh, m making them sympathetic towards this guy's views. Yet we're denied 
uh, not only denied the right to read it, but we even if we have a copy on our computer or someone sent us a copy, a Muslim friend actually from Brunei sent me a copy on WhatsApp, which I've now deleted, but if I hadn't deleted that, I could go to prison, and I think that's wrong and dangerous. I hope you deleted it before you looked at it, mate. Because then you could go to prison. I could, yes. <laughs> you could. Um, but, you know, you mentioned the 99.9% .9 of New Zealanders will think it's rubbish, but that that 0.1%, um, you know, this guy was probably that 0.1% mm. once. And they can access it anyway. Mm. We all know we can get stuff on the internet. Um, uh, it, it's almost impossible to really censor stuff on the internet. I would I, see. I would argue that the people that would get down on the stuff uh, and, and read it as gospel are not intelligent enough to be able to find it on the internet. To be honest, John. Um, so yeah, perhaps they couldn't. Well, the most savvy white supremacists and white nationalists, the ones to be most concerned about, are mm. the ones that are onto it in terms of um, information yes. technology and the internet and using VPNs and and, and deep web etc. to to hide their activities. Well, let's look at social media now. I mean, you know, the government's cracking, well, you know, has, has had some staunch, strong words against at least Facebook, but I would imagine mm. behind the scenes, yeah, you're hearing the same um, speak around Twitter and well, Instagram as part of the Facebook network. Uh, and, and other avenues of social media. Um, I'm surprised there isn't big words on, on Google, to be honest, but um, mm. yeah, well, maybe there has been. But, um, you know, these aren't uh, New Zealand companies. They're not officed here. There's no, you know, real ties to us except for the fact that we can access them mm. and we use them on massive scales. So, I mean, does this government have a right to crack down on social media? Uh, and, in fact, can they anyway? Yeah, okay. they, they certainly uh, they have the, the the ability. I mean, look at China. China um, uh, bans YouTube, bans Google, bans Gmail, um, it, uh, and a whole lot of other social media platforms and, and, and mainstream media platforms. Um, so there's certainly the ability of governments in China's and maybe North Korea as well, but are the most astute at, at regulating the internet. Um, again. Uh, uh, should people be able to put stuff up on social media that might be deeply offensive to all of us here, uh, but isn't an, a direct incitement to violence? Um, uh, and and if they are, um, oh, what can we do about that? Well, we can challenge them, we can debate people, we can put up counter views. So there's there's wide there's a widespread call for quite um, uh, widespread censorship on social media not just including sort of um, nutty white supremacists but uh, general hate speech um, uh, anti-vaxxers uh, conspiracy theorists uh, I don't know if people are rallying against flat earthers or not but <laughs> yeah the, I mean there's lots of nutty ideas out there uh, that need to be challenged but if we if we start at the moment it's aiming at because of this incident in Christchurch, it's targeting white supremacists and white nationalists. But, um, I mean, hate speech comes from all communities and all uh, political persuasions. So if um, trade union leaders and leftists are rallying against bosses saying the 1% are greedy, uh, we need to get rid of the 1% and have an egalitarian society, is that hate speech against uh, uh, economic elite? Maybe it is. Uh, when um, uh, Sunni Muslims say that their version of Islam is the only true Islam and Shia are heretics, and this is a widespread view from my experience living in the Muslim world, this is a widespread view that you, that comes up on social media all the time. Mm -hmm. um, should that be banned? Um, 
who knows, when, when Israelis uh, claim that uh, Israel is a state for Jews, uh, um, and um, um, should any references to Israel being exclusively a state for Jews be banned? Maybe on the basis of hate speech, or Palestinians who rally against Israel and say that it needs to be re-established as a Palestinian state. Should that uh, be banned on the basis of hate speech. You know, it's a very slippery slope, and it's only we will end up in a world, a very illiberal world, and a very censorous world where uh, we, we risk um, being prosecuted all the time for, mm. for just putting forward our ideas, which might be nutty and might not be nutty. I think you're nutty. Um, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we've been eyes wide shut on white extre- extremism in New Zealand for a long time. I know, as a um, person that used to live in, in, in Christchurch, or a person that lives in Dunedin, uh, a person that has visited Nelson and other areas, uh, um, it is very much <laughs> it's there. Uh, there's no hiding from it. But we've we've been eyes wide shut on it, uh, allowing groups um, to go about their day to day unchecked uh, while focusing on. Ext- external threats of extremism or perceived threats of extremism especially post 9-11 now Vivian do you think it's time for the government, uh, the SIS and the the SIS and I guess as well uh, the GCSB um, to have greater powers to monitor groups, do you think they should be given extra rights to monitor groups and you know um, is it time for maybe some of our liberties to change Um, or do we you know if we are going to do this we have to get the we have to get it right, right? Because you know you you, you can crack down on some individual rights there as well. Yeah. So I know that um, the National Party leader Simon Bridges has come out very strongly in support of this sort of new monitoring scheme, and he, people keep saying he hasn't said it, but people keep saying it. And I hate the quote: um, "We've got nothing to hide, you've got nothing to fear," kind of um, thing. Yeah. But it's yeah, that's kind of the the current rhetoric coming out when it comes to this sort of I guess it is just a huge breach of privacy. Um, but I guess the powers of the GCSB and the SIS, they should sort of be strengthened in a way so they can pick up on this. I guess they were definitely focusing on the wrong areas. And I think you hit the nail on the head again with the, um, after 9-11, people were focusing on sort of, you know, wait a second, Islamophobes, and then you've got rhetoric from, say, Winston Peters that really doesn't help. Mm. Um, but sort of going back at another step, um, and I just sort of like to sort of use my rugby club as an, as an example, when it comes to sort of, say, white extremism just casually mentioned, um, after the attack in Christchurch, the Tuesday afterwards, we had a vigil at our rugby club. We all sat down and um, sort of the old, old guys in our club said, it's time we need to stop sort of any kind of casual racism because that's how it all starts. Mm. And they said, like, um, we heard one of the players yell out at um, one of the guys in the when the Prems were playing Harper in the weekend around not being able to catch a ball and if it was a coconut and that kind of thing, which is just, that's where it sort of starts when it gets very casual and sort of slip. When you start at that point, it can build up to... Yeah. genuine hate and that kind of thing and you know like say rugby for an example it's such a diverse sport a lot of Polynesians and Melanesian and like you know Australians who come over here and play rugby it's sort of a diverse group um, it's sort of yeah it sort of starts small but can get obviously compoundingly larger and I think with the GCSB and the SIS need to watch is sort of trying to sort of stamp out maybe those smaller areas where it starts quite small mm-hmm. and from that, you could probably trace quite a lot of people back to those sort of uh, small bits of, um, sort of trace it back to that origin. But 
yeah yeah i mean it, i mean it's a difficult one for the for, for the government i think on terms of monitoring because i I, th- I i don't think this government in particular or, or any government uh, any parties in new zealand really want to crack down on people say um like um bush and their powers post 9 11 yeah uh, and oh. everything that went on there i'm trying to remember the name of it but i can't i'm sure it's got freedom in there somewhere um as everything does in the states um <clears throat> But, I mean, I can imagine we're not going to tolerate it. We wouldn't tolerate it, and it would be quite difficult for any party to push anything hard um, in extending powers to the SIS or the GCSB or any other agencies that we have in Aotearoa because they will lose votes. So, I, I mean, what do yeah, you think? Yeah, I'm not so sure. Happen? I think when, when you're in a situation where people suddenly become fearful and believe that yeah, there, there is a significant threat. I don't they, think the majority of New Zealanders fear, fear, mm. f- are fearful. I think um, a lot of minority groups may be, mm. and, and, and certainly um, some in the Muslim community will be. Sure. Because, uh, you know, this attack was against all mm. minorities. It, it just so happens that this mm. is a place where a vast array of minorities um, congregate. This wasn't mm. exactly you know, necessarily against the Muslim world. Um, but um, so I, I think the majority is, you know, you know, of Kiwis aren't exactly fearful this is going to happen to them. Maybe they're fearful for a par- reprise attack, mm. um, but I don't know if they're exactly fearful. But I guess that, that this being such an extraordinary, extreme event, this terrorist attack in Christchurch, um, with 50 plus people murdered, um, it, it does give the government and state agencies a strong argument to extend their power. Um, so police have been uh, armed at the moment, or police mm. roaming around are armed. Is there really an imminent threat of another terrorist attack? Um, I think it's very questionable. This was very much a lone wolf case. It doesn't seem this guy had any connections with extreme right-wing groups in New Zealand at all. That It might come out otherwise, but at the moment, uh, that seems to be the conclusion. Um, so is there an imminent threat? No. We, we, before the sexual terrorist attack, uh, the Christchurch, there was, I think, a few days where the police um, were walking around with arms in Christchurch due to um, a, alleged... Um, um, incidents of being shot at, although strangely enough, the guy who ended up being arrested uh, had a, a, a fake gun. Um, but yeah, I think when it comes to the police, when it comes to uh, uh, the SIS, uh, when it comes to um, all, all intelligence agencies, they're trying to extend their powers. And you could argue that opportunistically they'll use an incident like this to say we need more powers. Uh, the police, and certainly the, the police association, the so-called police union, is pushing for general arming of police. So that's where I see the danger. Are they... Are they pushing for that? My understanding, yeah, I wrote, the, the president of the police association came out and said that um, uh, we want police to have greater access to arms for their safety. Mm, but so and I find that chilling. I think um, it's a good thing that in New Zealand the police generally don't carry arms. Yeah, oh, well, they have them in the back of every car, let's be yeah. honest. Uh, they're already there. Mm. <laughs> they have them on the beat, mate. Yeah. Um, right, but we um, quickly, because we, we've run out of time, um, free speech, um, why let everybody say whatever they want? Why? 
Um, uh, well, it goes with democracy. You can't have uh, democracy without free speech. There are countries in the world like Singapore, Malaysia, Russia, where you have some form of democracy. People have some right to choose their allegiance, but there's a complete crackdown on free speech, and, and, and that allows uh, oligarchs and dictators uh, to control the situation. If you don't have free, free speech, you can't challenge your leaders, you can't challenge the establishment, uh, and, and you end up um, empowering uh, an elite, essentially. Yeah. Uh, does the state have the right to limit free speech? Um, no, not free speech, I don't think. Um, they do have the right, obviously, to limit you know, incitement of violence and that kind of thing, but I don't think the state should really get in the way of having an open discussion around issues. Mm-hmm. All right, well, thank you both for coming in this morning. It's been a pleasure, as always, John. Good thank to have you here, Vivian. I hope this is going to be a regular thing. Yeah. <laughs> that was the Radio 191 FM podcast. You can find more at r1.co.nz or wherever quality content is found.